Hello and welcome to Relationship Talk, the podcast hosted by Teresha Young, Relationship Master Coach. Now, each episode, we bring you an inspiring guest to help you find a deeper understanding of yourself, to set yourself up for dating, relationship, self-love and self-empowerment success. So enjoy, take notes and get ready to apply all key messages you learn today. Hello and welcome to Real Relationship Talk, the podcast hosted by yours truly, Teresha Young, Relationship Master Coach, where we have open, non-judgmental, heart-to-heart conversations about love, self-love, self-care, dating and relationships. And for this week's episode, I am being joined by the awesome Greg Fearon. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Finally. I would say that's all down to me though, isn't it? I've been waiting for this opportunity. Oh, because it's going to be fire. So for everybody who doesn't know who Greg is, Greg is a nutrition and health coach who helps 40-year-old and over women thrive, not just survive, whilst losing up to 20 pounds in 90 days. For many of the women he's worked with, getting healthier, losing weight and becoming the person they want to be isn't easy. Life perimenopause, menopause, all take their toll. So can Greg help you? (laughs) With a background in endocrinology, gynecology and nutrition with coaching, he can help you master your mind and master your body. Boom, master. I love that word, given that my title is Relationship Master Coach. So I have an affinity to that word. we're vibing today with all the pink and everything and exactly it wasn't planned people so if you're watching this on youtube or on a video it wasn't planned at all it wasn't engineered it's just that vibe that we got isn't it (laughs) hey so i would love for you to share with us some of the key highlights of your life journey that led you to becoming a nutrition and health coach oh lord where should we start so um I'll take you back to when I was about 11 or so, 11, 12. And I guess the gods of puberty took took charge. And I was always a quite a chubby kid. You mm-hmm. know, I wasn't the most athletic. Um, growing up in a Jamaican household where food is paramount, you know, eat more food, eat more food, eat more food. And it's all of love. Or you think the food's going to run out. Um, <laughs> mm. Yeah, oh, you know, you know the line, they're starving children in Africa. Yeah, that. exactly. Be grateful. Add a little bit more all-purpose seasoning to that too. Yeah, have some more dumpling. Um, <laughs> so then about 11 or 12, I don't know, I just found the ability to run to, I've got coordination. So um, throughout my teens, I was able to, you know, sprint, you know, athletics and play football to a decent level. Um, so then I went into uni and did a sports science degree. So... Um, that happened from there. But throughout this, I've always seen my mum and my sisters suffer with their weight. Mm. Um, I didn't go straight into that, into the kind of nutritional sports industry straight away. I went into management roles. I worked my way up in a big mobile company. Mm-hmm. You might remember Carphone Warehouse back in the day. Remember? You say it like it was ages ago. That feels so recent to me. Yeah. They, 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 well, it doesn't exist anymore, I don't think, the way in the way it does now. So, mm, I do remember. But yeah, so I worked up to kind of very senior management. I was managing about 300 people. 
And I used to do my personal training and nutrition work on the side. Um, then went into the pension sector and did management in there. And then went into um, the NHS. Mm, okay. So I got to spend lots of time with world-class endocrinologists, gynecologists, and I used to run maternity and gynecology. Mm. Throughout all this time, though, most of the ladies that came to me were just confused. They've tried all the diets. They've tried all the fads and just didn't know why they couldn't lose weight and they couldn't get healthy. And I saw my my sister and my mom go through this and I realized that I can't coach family. No. <laughs> Go and work with someone else, right? Is it because it's too emotionally invested in that and their outcomes or what is it? They listen to you. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, fair enough. They just don't listen. They're like, yeah, you're just a brother, son. Mm. You don't matter. Um, but what was what I think has been really beneficial for me is that I've had that management leadership coaching experience and also the physical, you know, sports science, endocrinology, just understanding, learning. Mm-hmm. I've done lots of nutrition. I've done um, integrative medicine and nutrition as well. So I've done a whole lot, load of things. Um, but I just got upset about all the rubbish that women get told about what's going to make them look good and feel good. Yeah, I hear that. So, you know, from reading your bio as well, you have focused on also helping women to master their mind as well as master the body. So what were some of your key learnings about mindset when it comes to the impact it has on body and the um, the goals? Well, I guess, so the other thing I didn't share is I have a background in martial arts, um, uh-huh. Chinese martial arts specifically. And there's this thing about yin and yang, right? Mm. Masculine and feminine, hard yeah. and soft. And I've always believed and learned that there are two sides to this coin. There's the mechanical side. Mm calories protein do your squats do your walking get your sleep but there's the emotional side okay mm. and you the two can't work without each other yeah um and emotion is just energy emotion if you really break it down right so without the emotional bit because let's be honest most women by the age of 45 they try to diet at least 65 times that's a that's a number yeah, and I think that was an average, if I remember the study correctly. Mm. So have you found that there are any particular common diets that the women are trying? Is there like, that, that everyone's tried this one, for example? Oh, Lord, most of it will be, I'm going to restrict something. Ah. Um, so what happens is they go from, you know, three, 4,000 calories, and I'll come back and I'll explain what happens here. Mm. 800 calories, yeah. all in one day. Their body is going, feed me, what's going on? Did you cut my did you cut my neck off? Um, mm. my head off. Their mind is also now in a place of I need to be fixed, I need to do this fast, I need to do this now. The big thing is the weight didn't it didn't get on very quickly. It took years. So what we try to do is we try to do, you know, 20, 30 years of children, life stress, just not generally looking after yourself and putting yourself first. Yeah. And try and do it in six weeks and hope that it's magically going to happen because we're driven by what happens on social media. We see all these mm. fantastic transformations. We see all these fit pros who, you know, we spend all day in the gym. Mm. So we we got time to do that. Um, and they see them and they're like, well, I want to do that. So I'm going to do it now. But actually, there's a lack of identity with mm. that. 
So the identity is I'm a mum, I'm a business owner, I'm a whatever I am. But the identity of being healthy, fit and strong isn't part of you yet. Ooh. So are you saying, Greg, that these are things that are done at the same time? Or do you work on your identity first before even committing to a goal? Does I need to have that clarity first? I think it's great that we always have a goal, right? We always need mm-hmm. to know where we're going to go to. You need to put the sat-nav in, put the, put the postcode in the sat-nav or you don't know mm-hmm. where you're going, right? One thing I will say, first of all, is goal setting doesn't really work. Let me explain why. Yeah. You need to have dream setting first. Mm-hmm. Because we spend so long trying to get away from pain. Oh, I need to get ready for this holiday. Oh, I don't look good in this. Yeah. So I call it the rusty nail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the rusty nail of pain is in your foot and you know it's going to hurt to pull it out. But if you leave it in there, yeah, it's going to give you an infection, but it doesn't feel so bad now. It's calmed down a bit. Mm. We leave the rusty nail in and we're like, oh, I need to get fit for this. I need to do this. And if you listen to the words I need, need. I have to. If you look at hierarchy of needs, they're all survival words. Yeah. So what we do is we go, all right, I want to lose weight. Let me jump off the rusty nail. For a little bit, do the six-week keto diet. No more carbs. I'm going to eat cayenne pepper and honey because Beyonce said once upon a time. (laughs) I did that one years ago. The lemon detox diet. Exactly. It was painful, let me tell you. I was in starvation mode for seven days. That that, that just sounds horrible. It was. It was. You can't have been a nice person to be around after day three. Uh, It was. It was. It took a lot. I did keep myself, that's the thing. If I was, when I'm doing something very radical like that, I do need to keep myself from people. I do, because I'm just thinking about food right now. And like, if I can't get food, I'm, I'm hangry. So <laughs> I did, yeah, I did have my element of reclusiveness during that time. Did it work? Did it have an impact? Yes. But as soon as I started putting that good old food back in my mouth, you know, the, the weight started to increase again. But yeah, exactly. I've heard it. I followed the fads. Exactly. So what we do is we go, let me get away from pain for a short while, seven days, four weeks, maybe weeks. Eventually, though, we go back to the comfort. That snicker bar. Yeah, just yo-yo, just yo-yo. Let me go back to my old habits. Yeah. What I do with clients is I go, right, let's set up. What's the dream? What do we really want? So we've got something to go towards. Mm. And I don't just cover dream body health. I'm like, what, what's the dream relationship? What's the dream household? What's your dream um, development and social look like? What will you be doing? What will be your, your adventures, etc.? cetera? Mm. People can get excited. The ladies I work with get excited because, like, oh, I can have this. I'm like, yeah. Um, and often, and this is a tip for anybody, watch Martin Luther King's speech, I Have a Dream. Okay. If you listen to the wording he uses, he he uses very vivid language, mm. puts pictures in your mind. So when you have those dreams and you're now looking at them every day, you create pictures and associations for your brain. Yeah. How many, how many times have you looked at a dress and you've looked at it for about four weeks? You just constantly look at it and then all mm. of a sudden you've got the credit card out and it's in your hand and you don't even know how it got there. Yeah. I totally hear that holding on to vision, connecting with your why, the intention behind it, the motivation behind it. And I think a lot of the cases is that people don't think about the long term why. It is that 
I need that dress for that wedding next week or for that wedding in a month's time. And then it's, then you lose touch with it. And then perhaps you fall back into the old habits because you've achieved the goal, but there's just so much more in order to make it sustainable. So how do, do you see any obstacles from the women or challenges when you say the focus on the dream uh-huh. and they think, yeah, but what's my health got to do with getting the dream? Now, how is that going to change anything? Very simply this, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm. <laughs> so if you're, if you're not looking after your health, I guarantee your relationships are suffering too. Mm. Prime example, you may not be intimate with your partner yeah, because you're sitting there wondering, well, he might think I look fat. He might think I look that or she might, you know, whatever you're thinking, oh, no, I can't, can't get, you know, jiggy with it, with the lights on because I'm worried about how I look and feel. Mm. Um, you might not then, so if we then take that to your career and business, well, I guarantee you're not showing up fully because you're not showing up for your health anyway. Yeah. So the mismatch, it's all a lot, it's all aligned. You can't you can't skimp in one area and expect it not to hit you in other areas of your life. Mm. I so hear that. It's like an exercise I do with my clients, which is the wheel of life, which yeah, the wheel of life, it's just doing that full circle to say, mm-hmm. okay, you're focused on health right now. What about your career? What about your relationships? What about your hobbies and your interests? You know, all of the other components that make up the circle of life is all interlinked. It really is. So, Greg, what moved you into working with women approaching menopause or you know, perimenopause as well? Why specifically that niche? Oh, Lord. It kind of happened by accident, I think. Most of the ladies that came to work with me were like, Greg, I've listened to what you say. You talk sense. You're not scaring me with oh, it's my hormones and all the rest of it. And it's actually more fun because ladies, when you're approaching that age, there is obviously some hormonal shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really lights me up is because that's the time when a lot of women are coming into a stage of, they don't know what to do with themselves. Okay, yeah. The kids, look, let's be honest. Once your kids pass three-year-olds and they know how to use an iPad, you don't really, <laughs> you're not needed anymore, right? Yeah, the rejection's real. Yeah, you're not needed anymore. So mm. it's like, okay, the children may be flying the nest or getting a bit more independent, etc. And now you're left with, well, what about me? Like, who am I? What's going on? Yeah. So then we can, that's why it's important to do the dreams and stuff, because then you start to reconnect with who you want to be. Wow, that sense of purpose. Exactly. Mm. In, in Japan, you know that they don't retire. You just change your purpose. Oh, wow. That's, no- that's incredible. Then in Japan, maybe they've already got that principle in mind from when they're young to actually be connected to a purpose. And it's okay to change your purpose. Your purpose might change as well throughout life as we grow and we evolve as people. But it's being connected with that purpose. And that's exactly what you're saying about the identity piece. Because we're so used to wearing the hats of mum, wife, sister, daughter, employee, whatever that might be. Then when you strip it back and say, okay, but who am I? know what do I stand for what's my purpose so not only maybe when you're at 40 plus you're grieving the loss of maybe your children moving homes like who am I are you also dealing with any women who are grieving the loss of perhaps youth and getting old do you find that those are any fears that come to you 
Definitely. The first thing that I always hear from the ladies I work with, Greg, I can't lose weight. It's my hormones. The hormones thing. Yeah. And let's be honest. Yes, there is a down regulation. There's a downshift in progesterone and estrogen. We know this. Mm. My question is, so what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to accept it? Or are you going to decide now is the time for me to actually put some time and effort into myself yeah. and still come out awesome? So I think what also happens is think people start thinking about grandchildren. You know, oh, I can't run after my grandchildren or mm. I can't get on the floor and play with my grandchildren or I'm walking. And it's the small things that happen, right? It's the, I run up the stairs the other day and I thought I was going to have an asthma attack. <laughs> or mm. you just don't feel energetic in yourself. Yeah. You know, because you, literally, let's be honest, we spend the day, we get up, we get up, go to the loo. So we sit on the loo. Then we get up, go sit at the breakfast table. Then we get up, sit in the car to go to work. Then mm. we, literally, the, the walk up the stairs to the office is probably the biggest walk, right? Yeah. Sit on the desk, right. And then we sit there for eight hours, maybe a few meetings. Yeah, yeah. Um, come back and repeat the journey, sit, sit down Netflix. Gosh. And then, you, then your body starts to protest, right? Oh, yeah. You're doing something different now, right? Yeah, all your joint, your joints don't move. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, the synovial fluid in your joints is just all seized up. You're dehydrated. Mm. So now what's happened is that this is an accumulation of all of the years of neglect. Yeah. And your body's now going, come on, what are we going to do about this? Oh. And that's when you see the signs. And it's often something like you go to put on a pair of trousers, you go to put on a dress and you're looking in the mirror and you're like, who is that? what has happened to me and you start maybe beating yourself up with all of those thoughts as well so you go into this vicious cycle of just okay starting to beat yourself up so you do less well you become more complacent and just accepting of it just thinking it is what it is when the aging process i would imagine it's just the hormones and everything like that so now in my mind i'm thinking i'm I'm 38 now in a a couple years time i'm going to be 40 myself and I'm thinking, I don't need to change anything right now. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and it's all going to be fine, right? Is yeah. that a huge misconception for me? Well, actually, I'm going to say, if you've trained throughout your life mm-hmm. and looked after your health, then, of course, you're going to generally, work, you won't have to adjust that much. Mm. There might be some tweaks now and again, yes. Yeah. You have to remember the vast majority of the people listening to this aren't in the gym three, four times a week. Yeah. They're not hydrated properly. They don't eat balanced. They don't sleep properly. They're busy looking after everyone else but themselves. So now they're like, oh, my God, I've got to do all of these things oh, yeah. to now stay in shape, right? Course correct. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, my God. So this is when, so this is the other thing. This, I'm going to blow people's minds with this, hopefully. We create stories in, in our minds about things. Mm. So here's the thing. The, the, the story they'll come to me with is, Greg, it's my hormones. That's a story. Yeah. And the fact of it is, actually, they just didn't look after themselves. Oh, 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 gosh. That's going to sting. So what happens is you start living a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, because of the story, oh, it's my hormones. Oh, it's yeah. my age, all the rest of it. That means I can't do strength training. That means I can't Yeah. Eat. That means I can't stay motivated to do the things that I want to do. So you start living a life that's a result of the stories you've got about yourself. And I'm going to just take it even further. 
If you go back to when you were six, seven, maybe, or maybe in your teens, generally I'll find in a coaching session that there has been an event or events that you've created stories about that you are still living your life in that way. Oh, yes. Completely hear that. Because what we are upset about is often not really what we are upset about. It's something that happened in the past. And it's unresolved and something to work on and to to heal or resolve to move forward so that you can recreate, I guess, a more positive story about it. It's about separating the story from what actually happened. So you've got the facts there. I like to put it in two circles, actually, for my clients so they've got a clarity. So what happened and what's the story you're creating around it? What happened, for example, oh, my husband didn't text me back. The story around it, he just didn't text you back, right? story is he's cheating or he doesn't care about me he's not bothered you know all of these other stories so it's like so what's the wound here you're feeling maybe rejected are you feeling rejected are you feeling abandoned right now where did the abandonment come from you know it can go deep and that's what i love about what you do greg is that it's not just a surface level because you can help women lose up to 20 pounds in 90 days and I put that as an average because I've had yeah. clients lose 30 pounds and I had some lose 10. Yeah. You'll often find that it's not about the weight. The mm. weight isn't the problem. Yeah. The weight isn't the problem. Let's be honest. When you really dig and talk to people and actually communicate, it's, I don't feel sexy. Mm. My body doesn't move the way I used to. Yeah. I don't feel confident. Yeah. I don't feel healthy. So these are all feelings now. Mm. A scale, yeah, if you know how to use it, the scale can be a great tool. But we're so wrapped up in this little number. Like for me, I'd rather, so my clients, mm. I, I get them to weigh once. Okay. When's that? At the start? At the start. Yeah. So I can understand roughly what I think their calories need to be, right? Mm. So now we're now back into the mechanical. Yeah. The thing that I really work with people on is habits. Have you trained twice this week? You said you were going to train this twice this week. Have you done that? Yes. Awesome. Let's crack on. So now you've got a win. You've got a win in the win. Yeah. Celebrate that. Yeah. So now we habit stack. So you've done that for maybe three, four weeks. Is it ready to bump up to three times? Do you know what? I've got the confidence now to do it. Awesome. Let's do that. Mm. Can you eat two portions of protein each day? Yeah, I can do that. Okay, let's do it. Do it for a week or two. Okay, can we bump up to three portions of protein now? Yeah, I think I can. Okay, well, let's get it done. Mm. Over time, because we measure, we take measurements and we do pictures and stuff and all that good stuff. You'll find people like, and then I get a message three months later, Greg, I'm 25 pounds down. I'm like, yeah, good job. Mm, Yeah. Because you don't give, if you give people too many things to look at, they can't do it. That's why they go on all these programs. They get a whole lot of information. Yeah. You know, you get the you get the war planner, get the workout chart, you get this. No, too much. Yeah. Going to overwhelm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like um analysis paralysis in a way that there's just so much to analyze that you don't do anything at all, or you just you you slow down and you just don't have that vision. So it's like being a parent to a child, isn't it? That positive encouragement and reinforcement that you give to them great so can we do more you just stretch them a little far in their comfort zone stretch that now becomes their comfort zone 
So you stretch them, that now becomes their new comfort zone and they start to really expand their horizons there. So for the ones who aren't, so you're not habit stacking, for example, um, because for some reason, so what are some of the justifications or excuses you get for people you are working with, um, but it's just not really happening for them? Is it time and various different reasons that they're given to you? Okay, I'll give you the surface level ones first. Mm -hmm. Hormones is one classic. Yeah. I'm not fit enough. Um, I can't work out like so-and-so does. Okay. I can't stay motivated. Classic. Oh, okay. I don't have time. Yeah. So these are kind of the classic surface ones, right? Mm. Oh, I've got the kids. This is a classic one. I've got to look after the kids. Awesome. Underneath it, the real reason, I don't believe in myself. I haven't prioritized myself. I haven't learned how to prioritize myself. I haven't had an honest conversation with my support network to say, this is what I want to do. I've had no one to guide me through this path. Wow. That's so the guidance part, because this is where you step in as the coach to help. Do you feel, because sometimes, you know, when I've spoken to my clients as well, they said that they feel really safe, you know, being with me as a coach. So it feels to me that there's that whole safety aspect as well when it comes to, when it comes to investing yourself into anybody as it is, you have to feel safe with mm -hmm. them. So again, you're giving them the encouragement, maybe a little bit of accountability that mm -hmm. you're giving them as well. So do you find that, that the relationship with your clients is it is it more like a like a friendship type dynamic you have you know not like a, like a friend friend but you know how how do you help them to feel safe i think the key thing as a coach for me is i have to hear them mm, understand that. them yeah and give them the space like you said to be able to go to just word vomit so my job as a coach is i need to ask the right questions yeah find the right answer so we can build a strategy so for me it's almost like data collection. Yeah. And I'd rather, my client comes to me and says, you know what, Greg, I had the most awful week and I haven't done anything. Mm. Those conversations are my, my favorite. Oh, yeah. Because I want to understand, okay. And here's a very big difference. And for anyone listening, this is something to really think about. Generally, I won't ask why they didn't do it. Mm. So if I said to you, Teresha, you know, yeah. why didn't, you know, why didn't you train this week? How does that feel? Gosford, very accusational. Cool. Yeah. Very, um, yeah, very subjective view. Like you are, you're judging me. Hmm. Stop judging me, Greg. Okay. I had things. <laughs> Life. Now, Life happened to me, okay? Yeah. So if I change the question to, Teresha, what, what made you not attend the gym this week? Okay. So it allows me for some introspection there to go deep. So then I would come up with, a reason why it was it still be a reason um but it doesn't sound like i have to have my defense mechanism up and just say stop it's a, yeah yeah so i think people will find that my approach is not what they're used to they're used to the drill my the yes. sergeant do 25 burpees have you got two avocados two chicken breasts on your plate mm. like for me i've even stopped doing diet like i used to do meal plans back in the day i don't do yeah. that anymore Mm. I give them a blueprint based on what they've told me at the beginning and what I think is going to work for them. But I'm like, listen, I want you to eat the food you love. Yeah. Why, why are we, why are we going to change something? If we try and say to right tomorrow, you've got chicken and broccoli every day. 
the shock factor. And let's just say you're a, I don't know, you're a West Indian woman yeah. who loves curry goat on oxtail, or you're, you know, let's say an Irish woman who loves potatoes. Why am I going to say you can't have potatoes? You can't have curry goat. That doesn't make sense. Automatically, you feel the defense blocks coming up. The resistance to that is like, <clears throat> really? It's a big lifestyle change. This is what I've heard before. This is what I've done before, and it didn't work. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, it might be right, Teresa, this week, yeah, you may have sent me a few pictures of how your food looks because I, I don't like to give anyone anything in their first week. Okay. I'm like, I want it. It's my assessment week. Start showing me what you eat. Send me some photos of stuff. Let me understand what's going on with your sleep, what's going on with your stress. Mm. Um, and I look for patterns, right? Yeah. So I know now I've got, a, after about a week, I'm like, aha, I got it. So Teresha always eats more food after Thursday. So I might be going, so I might be going Teresha, I've noticed this. Something's happened. It, it, sometimes the pattern isn't, doesn't happen straight away, but I'll notice it. Teresha, mm. I've noticed that um, on a Thursday, you tend to go a bit crazy or you go a bit quiet. You don't message me or you don't, I don't hear from you. <laughs> oh, Thursday's a really bad day. Okay, cool. Tell me about it. Yeah. I've got this meeting with my manager yeah. and it's really stressful. Okay, talk to me. And, and we'll actually go into coaching about the business stuff or the career stuff. So actually the issue isn't the diet. Yeah. It's the, the other stuff. Is what you reacted to, how you feel in certain situations that then you look to food as a stress reliever because people don't like the feeling of stress. Mm. So in order to get away from the feeling we eat. Yeah. It's not the stress that caused the problem. People are, oh, I'm too stressed. I, I eat because I'm stressed. Uh, uh, uh. Mm. I hear that. Because of the feeling. You haven't learned to be comfortable with feeling stress. Mm. So you spoke about some of the, the martial art practices that you have. Do you combine that with your coaching as well? Because I'm, I'm assuming that the whole thing about stress breathing, you know, all of those other things that come along with being great at martial arts, that can also help with the coaching that you do in some way, shape or form. Yeah, how yeah. do you use that in that way? Well, ultimately, like a lot of these things, martial arts, especially Chinese martial arts, actually came from yogic practice. Oh, okay. If anyone started any geeks out about Chinese martial arts, like me as a, you know, Jamaican heritage, we grew up on Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee film. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that mum put me in front of the TV. I wasn't watching Batman. I was watching Jackie Chan. Yeah. Um, and I guess what what drew me to it was that it's a very again a very holistic system, right? You got breath work. Yeah. We call it qigong, which is energy work. Okay. So it's how to regulate breath and energy and move them together. Mm. You've got hard. You've got soft, um, etc. But so for me, it's like well. Can you sit for a minute and just just concentrate on breath? Yeah. Can you be in a queue at, at work or in a post office, feeling stressed about what's going mm. on? And, okay, I'm just gonna breathe in through the nose, breathe out through the mouth. Concentrate on the breath. Yeah. Oh, I feel better. Okay, cool. Carry on. The feeling of stress that you had is now gone. Mm. You can change your state at any time. Yeah. You know. Um, like change i'm very calm and animated at the minute I'm, well actually i'm feeling very lively but i could go like that straight away and be like right now i'm very intense and i'm in a martial stance yeah now i change back because i've learned that actually i control my state 
we've got this learned helplessness in society today yeah. where we get told by everybody you can't do this because of your hormones you can't become the person you want to be because of some reason out of your control yeah yeah so what happens is people have learned helplessness i can't get rich because of xyz mm-hmm. well have you played the lottery no well, have you built a business or started to try and sell some stuff that you don't use? No. Well, how can you get rich? Oh, well, it's my economic situation. I get it. It's it's not easy for everybody. Mm-hmm. Didn't say it was easy. But if you're willing to do the work, you can achieve some amazing things. And I think that's the one thing that Kung Fu's taught me and Tai Chi and all that stuff, that the things I used to watch, I was like, I can never do that. Yeah. And I, I used to get my mum's... Um, you know, you know, every Jamaican mum has used to have a scarf back in the day, right? Yes. <laughs> I used to have my black tracksuit bottoms and my white socks with the mm-hmm. black clothes. And I used to get my mum's oh. thing. I tuck it into my trousers and do the proper, you know, and I used to make all the noises and stuff. And I was like, I can never do that. And then when I got a bit more independent, had some money, the mm. first thing I did, I was AOL dial up. Ooh, there's a Kung Fu class. Let me start. Yeah. So it comes back to the ladies that are listening to this. Like, what are you willing to do for your dream? Mm. And it doesn't have to be everything at once. In fact, it never was. Yeah. Irina Williams, right? Watch this, this, the story of her dad and how he brought them up. He made them hit the ball the same way, like, I don't even know how many times. So we've got this paradox of learned helplessness, with lots of distractions that cause us to just not do anything. Instead of going, let's do one thing and yeah. do the hell out of it. Yeah. Ham. <laughs> you go ham on that one thing rather yeah. than just chunking it down and making it more achievable for the mindset to process that I can do this in stages as well, rather than going into that whole state of overwhelm. And it's really interesting what you're saying there about the whole helpless side of it too because when we are feeling helpless that can trigger some of our insecurities as well and our attachment styles that we therefore form with other people because it's that helplessness neediness that will come out of that potentially as well getting validation from other people for all the wrong reasons you can get validation from a coach such as yourself, you're going to big you up and be like, yeah, you're doing great. You know, and also in those moments when you don't feel like you're doing great, it's still there to cheer you on and be your biggest cheerleader. And it's taking that, that power back to know that we're not powerless and we're not, you might feel helpless and we're not going to say your feelings aren't valid. We're not saying that at all. However, how can we shift you gradually so that you feel more in your power? You feel more that you can navigate the world and achieve your dreams and i think it's so important to have that vision as well to connect them to that overall vision so for you then greg helping your clients to master their minds how do you also master your own minds i have a coach <laughs> there you go <laughs> touche <laughs> like here's the thing right we always think we can do everything by ourselves right and if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go with others, if you want to go far, go with others. Mm. Um, so I invest quite heavily in a coach. I have a coach. I, in fact, I was in a mastermind just this weekend. You might have seen me in an ice bath. I and- did see that. I thought, huh, you're on your own there in that ice bath. 
classic line, right? Black, black people. I can imagine all the black people like going, "Yeah, we don't do this ice bath business, people. We, we don't do that. Let's turn the central heating up to temperature twenty eight and live our yeah. best life, right?" Exactly, exactly. I'm still in Jamaica, but <laughs> well, I think have one of the things for me was having a coach. Yeah, having someone who my, in my life who is not just a coach, but kind of business. We talk about everything, mindset, mm. everything. Like I don't hide anything, so it's the same as I treat my clients. Yeah. I can't expect to coach and learn how to coach if I don't have a coach. I have to role model the behavior. In yeah. fact, I have someone who writes my training programs for me. You see, even though you could potentially do it yourself. Of course I can, but I won't see my blind spots in my yeah. training. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get someone who writes the most horrible training programs for me, does two things. I don't have to think about it. I can concentrate and work with my clients. Yeah. Number two is someone who can go, well, you haven't done this exercise for a long time and you need to develop this, it's in your program. Because I will skip it and go, let me do my favourite exercise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've done that too. Yeah. We uh, all do. That's one thing. I think journaling is another thing that's really great. Um, writing down the thoughts and understanding and pre-planning. Like, I can't... The power of time boxing your day. Mm. So you go to, you write down all the tasks you have to do and then you time box. How long is this task going to take? I put it in my calendar. Yeah, love that. Wow. That's Um, so important, Greg, because we can have a to-do list, or I like my one to be getting things done. So I feel like to-do makes it feel like it's always to-do. I'm getting things done. So it's my getting things done list. But to actually weigh up and quantify, that's where some of the power comes into it. How long does it actually take for you or for me? Because I drink 16 ounces of celery juice every single morning, raw. Well, how long does it take me to actually make that up? Okay, I've calculated it. It takes me 13 minutes to do the whole process. So I can time box that into my day. Do I do that into the morning? Do I need to slot that into the afternoon? I know it sounds very precise, but sometimes it's all about precision. If we can get some clarity on how to time box, because then we will have that excuse, I don't got time. You know, we all have this, we all hear it. We all got the same 24 hours. So it's how we use that time. It's choice management rather than time management, as I think. You know, how are you choosing? Yeah, how, how are you choosing that time that you have? I'm becoming more aware of that. Journaling too, Greg, I've, that has been so powerful for me to be able to witness my thoughts. And I know that my clients as well, that they find the power within it because when you see it on paper and you go, oh, did I really just say that? <laughs> Did I, I would not say that to my daughter so why am I saying it to myself it's that whole awareness piece and starting as you said a lot of times people haven't spent time on themselves actually who are they what are they thinking about what are they feeling connecting with their emotions and being okay with that and then moving forward and noticing the patterns like what you said before too patterns and trends the data is is so important to help you to then move forward. Well, here's the classic one, and a lot of ladies are going to hate me for this, but I don't care. (laughs) Here's a a classic thing. I can't lose weight because I'm healthy. I I eat healthy, so it must be my metabolism. Oh. Cool. I've been tracking my food, and I'm on 1,200 calories, and I've been on that for a year, and nothing's shifting. Show me. I love the way you come deep into the camera for that one. Show me. Show me. And that's mm-hmm. not said with um, 
in a combative way, it's just a, I want you to show me because then I can yeah. look and see. 99 if you're not assessing, you're guessing. Oh, I love that quote. Let's repeat that one, mic drop. If you're not assessing, you're guessing. You're guessing. Love that. They, you know, if, when I, if I have a client and she eats more on a certain time of the week, she'll be like, oh, my motivation. I'm like, you're on your period, love. <laughs> you know it better than... <laughs> oh, my weight's gone up. I put on five pounds. Yeah, but this is week five compared to week one. So you're probably on your cycle. Yeah. Oh, okay. So things, we if we don't track stuff, how will you know? Like yeah. people get upset about because I'll, I'll have some 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 of my clients track their calories. Mm. Mainly as an education piece because yeah. when you do, if you track your calories, like ladies, I'm giving you free info to help you get in shape. Thank you. Track your calories and use the green grocer method. Please elaborate. Green grocer, what? Mm. Very simply, this: when you go out to buy bananas, you ask the green grocer how much of the bananas you want. Can I have? You either do it in monetary terms, so can I have two pounds worth of bananas? Mm-hmm. Wait, you like, can I have, I don't know, two kilos of bananas? And what does he do? He gets the foods, he gets the scale, and he puts the bananas in the scale. Mm-hmm. So he get too little or too much. People go, oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, we'll do it with your food. <laughs> you don't have to change what you eat. You just have to, before you cook it, just put it in a, on a food scale. And then track it. And then we'll see what's really going on. Yeah. I think what happens for a lot of ladies is they're actually scared to see what's really going on. Because that will reflect back on them. And then they take a moral thing of, well, I'm bad. I'm silly. I'm not the right. I'm not good enough to do this or the rest of it. All this judgment comes in. Yeah. It's data. Mm. What you thought was 1,200 calories is actually 2,500 you just didn't realize what you were eating. So now we have this info. What can we do to make it harmless and easy for you to start getting results? Mm. Yeah, I hear that in such a non-judgmental way too. Yeah. Because for me, when I started measuring my food and doing it precisely, there was no reason for me to blame the food, for example, or that component. But what I did focus on is how much water did I drink? What was my sleep like as well? No, maybe I didn't sleep very well. Am I on my cycle? Now, there's so many other components that make you go, okay, that's fine. I, I can work even more with that. It's that clarity and not to be afraid of the data. That is it. Data is just, it's just data. But the story that we create around the data <laughs> is what we need to focus on. I eat 2,500 calories. That's the data. The story. Oh, I'm unmotivated. Bloody, 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 blah. The outcome. Oh, I'll just keep living in bliss. And, you know, I can't look after, can't put on my favorite swimsuit. I can't, I don't want to get my body out in front of my partner. I don't want to put short sleeves on in the summer. I don't want to wear shoes. So so you see all these outcomes. Mm. Actually, if we just said, the fact is you're on two and a half thousand calories. How can we reduce that by 500 very easily? And you can still have your chocolate bar. Oh, I can still eat my chocolate bar. Yeah. I know, I know I'm talking a lot and I'm, I'm in my flow here. So sorry, Tricia. No, no, go ahead. I love this. The chocolate bar, right? Everyone blames the chocolate bar. So do this. 
in your if you're going to track your food just do it for a week i swear it will be eye-opening for you track your oils sources don't you track vegetables don't worry about that mm. but your carbs your protein fats track, track those right here's the thing start first with putting in your favorite chocolate bar every day put it in yeah you'll then find that the chocolate bar is about 250 calories especially nowadays where chocolate bars are like this nowadays like what exactly my kit kat chunky is just <laughs> it's not doing much exactly. they're robbing us out here right <laughs> yeah so it's probably about 200 calories nowadays right yeah so that's 200 calories you now have let's just say ladies on 1800 calories because again ladies will will go to 1200 when they uh they would just mm. that would just be a hunger fest for yeah. them and then they're going to dive bomb into pizza and chocolate and wonder why they can't lose weight so 1,800 calories is what you need to lose weight. Awesome. Now you've got 1,600 calories to do whatever you want with. And you still had your chocolate bar. And you still got the chocolate bar. And then I guarantee you probably won't eat that chocolate bar every day. Oh, oh really? Greg, I can't oh, really? <laughs> I'm doing something wrong there then. <laughs> Put the chocolate bar in. No, because, yeah. but seriously though, I, I guarantee you don't have the chocolate bar every day. So there's going to be the odd day. Yeah. But it's going to be the odd day. It's going to be like maybe Tuesdays a week. We just don't even think about it. But yeah. you've already got the chocolate bar in it. And you're like, oh, I've got more calories. Oh, I can yeah. eat. So actually having the data allows you more freedom. Mm. Other than, oh, yeah, I've got to give up potatoes. We'll give up rice. No, do it the other way. Yeah. Put in the stuff that you that brings you joy. That is bringing you joy because that feeling is mm. creating for you at the moment. So you have to accept it. And the fact is that when you know that you're not, it's that whole lack and abundant mindset, isn't it? Is if you are in the lack, then you're going to probably crave it more. So it's like, I can have it. Well, actually, I'm choosing not to have it, but I know I can because it's okay. My choice. You So you're empowered to make the choices. Yeah. Oh, that's so good, Greg. You know, everything that you're saying there is the relationship we have with everything. The relationship we have with food, the relationship we have with our jobs, people, the stresses in our life. So I was wondering if you'll be cool to kind of navigate into a discussion more about relationships Ooh, from, a, uh, ooh, okay. from, a, from a personal perspective. How does mm. that sound? Yeah, you ready? Let's go, let's go. Let's, let's do this. So, Greg, reflecting back on some of your key romantic experiences, current, present or past as well, mm. how would you describe that journey? Were there any key lessons that you learned from it? I guess the biggest one is not to assume anything. Uh-huh. If there's any one big thing I would take away is that, you know, unless you actually understand and talk to the person, you'll never know. So mm-hmm. don't make up more stories. Yeah. Like if that person is your person, they will understand you. They might get angry. That's okay. Like we're not here to be liked by everyone and not every, not your partner doesn't have to like everything about you. Mm. but they need to accept you as you are yeah if you don't open your mouth and say listen on a friday night and i'm i guess this this would be from a very male perspective i like to sit in front of my playstation or i want to watch marvel movies (laughs) but instead of go instead of like hiding it and it gets all confrontational at least it's out in the open you know yeah do something else that's cool that that's actually a good thing in a relationship right to have your own pursuits yeah or you can say, hey, do you want to watch this Marvel film with me? Like, it's got the same elements as every other film. Comedy, jokes, relationships. You know, it's all got the same thing. They're all the same formula. 
you might like it. Now you've got an inclusive, you're doing it together, you know, and it's all good. So for me, don't assume anything, just be open and just share what's on your mind. Like, mm. I know we're scared of the story that of what might happen, but it's just a fact. Just tell the fact. Yeah. And then you can worry about what then you do with it after that. It's all information. It is all information. I completely hear that. And, you know, communication, as you said it there, is key. Being able to voice your concerns, if they are concerns, or just express your needs without overthinking what how the other person is going to respond to it. And just knowing how you can prepare for that conversation. Sometimes it just means preparing for it. Even if you think that person is not going to receive it well, what is it exactly that you want to say? What is the outcome going to be from that? And not making assumptions because it's the assumptions and the stories that we create that can actually hold us back in that. Mm. Have you had any situations there where you have, for example, like the Marvel situation, where you have expressed your needs, but the other person didn't receive, and they're like, no, nah, there's no way that's happening. You always get what you want. I guess a, I guess a classic that every woman's probably been through at some point is the, I'm going to go on a lad's trip. Yes. For how long? And who with? Who else is going to be there? Where you going? What's in the suitcase? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want photos. I want you to check in with me, FaceTime every single day at this yeah, time. Every single day. I want you checking in at 1.30, 5 a.m. Uh, um, <laughs> because the assumption is that something will happen because, you know, you can't see them. Mm. But then if there's no trust, then there's no point. Exactly. So just let the person go. Like if the girls want to go on the girls trip, let them go. They're going to do what they're going to do anyway. Yeah. So let them go with their blessing. Because if you part of resistance, what happens is you start doing the, oh yeah, I'm working a bit late. Gone to the pub. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and, and I, I guess I'll take this from a very male perspective is I think a lot of men, like they'll probably do things that aren't actually bad, but they just don't want the noise. Ah, to keep the peace, right? Yeah. Mm. Like, we would, men will do anything for a peaceful life. Like, when we come home from work, ladies, this is this is the truth. We are done. <laughs> yeah. The day is done. We, we don't care about everything else. And this, this is obviously, again, comes into a big thing about, well, men don't do the housework. This is a really big thing, right? Mm -hmm. So the women will often come home, and then they'll do everything again. And we're sitting there going, what are you doing, love? while we're watching football and and in your head as a woman, you're probably thinking this lazy so-and-so. Yeah. Because men are very logical, generally, gen you know, obviously everyone's on a bit of a spectrum. We're very logical and we're very like, this is, this was my work day. Yeah. I work hard from here to here. When I come into my home, I want peace. Mm. And I'll, you know, I've said, you know, the other half, you know, or it might be cleaning or whatever. And I'm like, just sit down, man. Just sit down. No, no, no. I've got to clean. Mm. And what's happening often is, because I see this in clients who are like, I haven't got time to work out. I've got to make sure the house is done. Blah, blah, blah. Number one, what, what are your children doing? <laughs> are they old enough to help, right? Listen, from the, from the age of about four, I had chores, right? <laughs> mm. Because remember, as a parent, we're preparing our children for life. Yeah, yeah responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. So why can't they do something? Why can't they pick up their, their litter? Why can't they make their own sandwiches? You're mm. giving them responsibilities, right? 
So that's number one. Number two is the queen coming to visit. <laughs> like, seriously, unless you've got someone, I'm not, I'm not saying you should live in mess. I'm not saying that by any stretch of animation. What I am saying is, do you need to clean every night and every okay. day? But because you saw your mum do it, so this is now connection to past, If you, especially if you've lost a parent, I find this is a very yeah. in, an in, ingrained habit. It's a very much a, well, I want to be like my mum. I'm, you know, I'm trying to connect with her on a subconscious level. We don't realise it, but this is what you've grown up with. This is what you've seen. But like my mum, she worked day, she worked nights. So she was cleaning all day and doing stuff all day. And I would see one of my sisters do the same. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I realized, oh, you're doing what you need to do. Because that's what you've seen. That's what you absorb. That's what you think you're supposed to do. Yeah. Men, I don't care. We're like, listen, leave it. We'll do it at a time that is right for both of us to do that. Come and sit down and let's Netflix and chill. Yeah. I hear what you're saying there. Is that sense of identity and the whole um, belief system that we can adopt, you know, mm -hmm. growing up and seeing what maybe our carers have done, our caregivers, our parents, and we adopt the same behaviours. Equally on a man's side of it, they might have seen their dad sit back, you know, not do much in the evening when they come home from work. Everything has been ready prepared for that. So we are mirroring, we're mirroring the behaviours as we get older. But that's when it's all down to communication to understand why it is important, for example, for, let's say, the woman of the house to do all of those domestics um the, what is the importance now what is the gain there's so, usually a secondary gain for us whenever mm. we are doing something so it could be a fear if it doesn't happen then this so what's the fear behind not doing it why can't we just chill together what is it why is it so important to you um and having those conversations so I do really like that example too because you also spoke about the importance of having that personal space Yep. so would you say that's another key ingredient to having a healthy relationship is that time apart yeah for sure I think in the past especially when I was younger it's very much like this very intense relationship you were together 24 7 you didn't leave each other's sight you know even if you walk to work you'd be messaging love you oh, I miss you and you're like I just saw her two minutes ago <laughs> yeah let me know when you're there yeah what's wrong with me yeah let me know when you're there oh I've sat down I'm having my lunch now um so you get used to that but I think being very strong and saying look this is who I am this is all about me and I will do these things I was watching um I love Married at First Sight right Australia I was watching that too oh Australia I watched the UK yeah. one English one is not as good as Australia ladies watch season six um okay. season six is the one Australia anyway so this guy I think it was in season nine I think this one and he was like listen I go to the gym like for two hours every night and then that, you know, they did the homestay thing and she was, she came, she went to the gym with him and she just rolled his eye, her eyes. She just, you know, and I was just sitting there going, oh my God. Now, does he need to be in the gym for two hours? Probably not. He should get a good coach to write him a, pro a proper program. He could do it in an hour. But what I will say is the, re the, the, the thing, he will, will he'll, he will change fundamentally as a person from not going to the gym. Yes. So this is, so this is a dad bod argument. Mm. Okay, so this is a big thing, and I know this is controversial and going off topic, but the dad bod thing, you know, oh, I want a, I want a guy who looks like he's going to look after us. The guy that's going to be able to look after you is the one that's healthy and fit. Yeah. What I think happens is we see that as being vain. Yeah. 
So then the story is, I'm not vain, therefore I don't go to the gym myself and look after myself. Mm, that's interesting. That's oh, I don't want I don't want my man to look this good. <laughs> I'm not looking after myself. Mm. Subconscious. This is why I love dad bods. I love dad bods because whatever. And then you'll see them at Magic Mike. Yeah. Or Chocolate City. Yeah. So the argument about the dad board isn't necessarily about the guy or even the girl, because let's be honest, there are guys who don't go to the gym and the other half goes to the gym. But it's about your own beliefs about what you're seeing. Mm. And also how you're feeling, because I know there were some studies out there and the women were given a choice between, these are women who were dating, and they were given a choice between a guy that had a fantastic body, you know, just was super, super fit and everything like that. And the guy who had a bit of the, the dad bod, so to speak. And they fundamentally, a huge percentage of them chose the one with the dad bod because of the safety that they would get from that. Because the guy who was well into there was some fears and insecurities that were coming up from the other women, which were like, maybe I'm not on par with that person, or he's going to be super attracted to other women. So there's going to be competition. So I don't want to deal with that competition. So I'm going to go with somebody who I'm going to feel safer with. And I'm going to drop a bomb right now. Go on. Ladies, if the guy got with you and you put on some weight, he probably don't give a monkeys. We want peace. We want connection. We want, we want some loving. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what happens is, is obviously how we feel about ourselves. And listen, I've I've gained some weight in a time in my life. Do you think I wanted to go anywhere near a woman? Hell no. I didn't feel good about myself. So if you're, if you're, and, and Cat Williams said it best. Ladies, if you have stretch marks, we know two things. You were either big and got small, or you were small and got big. Either way, we don't care. Now, he says a very much a bit more of an explicit version of that. Go look it up on YouTube. Okay. But the thing is the same. We generally don't care. We have our cuddles. We have our connection. We have our peace. And we have the, then we're all good. So what you need to think about is, is what are the stories in your head about how you feel? Yeah. And... Everything in this world is all about us. We're like, we're the most, people are selfish. We might not want to appear selfish. We mm -hmm. do will all this, but the seven deadly sins are real in people. And it's always, it always comes down to us, no matter what, in what sphere it is, it always comes down to us. So if you're not looking after your health, I guarantee you're not looking after your business properly. Yeah. If you're not looking after business properly, you're not looking after your relationships properly. Mm -hmm. you're not looking after your relationships properly, you're probably not doing social, you're not doing your own development. And spiritual yeah. mm. it all starts with us and everything just now i'm a firmer believer of that if you want to have all those components it does first start with yourself it's that self-care self-love taking care of yourself just doing the basics really um in order to achieve that and you have said some really great components there of a healthy relationship you spoke about communication mm -hmm. you've spoken about trust as well and you've also spoken about the power of me time um and how that can help and just really just embedding that really into a relationship now those are three important things you start working on those things then of course it can help the whole relationship in its entirety
Well, here's the thing. If you don't trust yourself, how can mm. you trust others? If you don't communicate with yourself, how can you communicate with others? If you don't love yourself, how can you love someone else? Yeah. Well, how it seems to be is that we seek that trust from somebody else, that external, it's all external to us. Now, I will be more trusting when somebody shows me, it's like, how, what are you doing to show up for yourself? To actually prove to yourself that you can trust yourself. And a lot of that is down to, do you stick to your boundaries, your commitments? Because if you don't stick to your commitments, you're kind of breaking that trust with yourself too. So you start to spill that into, you get frustrated with yourself. So you, that frustration, Therefore, yeah, onto somebody else too. So it's such an awareness piece. Classic one. You haven't been to the gym for a while. All of a sudden, you start nicking, nick, nitpicking at the kids because they haven't done their laundry like they're supposed mm. to. Start nitpicking at the hubby because he was late a little bit. Yeah. What you're seeing is how you see everyone else. Mm. But actually, you're seeing it from your own perspective and going, should I? I haven't really stuck to my own commitments. Yeah. I didn't stick to the yoga session I said I was going to do. Yeah. I haven't committed to eating more vegetables like I said I would do. Yeah. It's that self-reflection because I often, if I feel disrespected, for example, I will sit back and say, say, Teresa, get honest with yourself. Are you truly respecting yourself? You feel disrespected because is that really a reflection of something you've done for yourself? Okay, let's get real here. It might be painful, but you have to get real with yourself in order to be real with other people. Amen. That's how I say I'm also curious, Greg, to understand a bit more about what your personal definition of love is. Whoa. Okay, let's end the podcast there. Thank you. <laughs> um, we'll take this off. No, no, no. I, it's really, love has always been a hard one for me, I think. Um, I think there's obviously a biochemical thing. Mm-hmm. But there's also the, so that's the, that's the emotional part. But there's also then a, logical mechanical part which is the showing up for it being open being present Mm. um, and all that stuff so again you can't have one without the other yeah um because if you don't do these bits then the biomechanical feel the emotional and biochemical stuff goes down yeah have that then you don't you're not going to do this anyway so you have to have both and they will waver at times like people people talk about balance right balance (laughs) balance it's like there's two things, I, two words I hate, especially in my industry, the, the mm. fitness industry. Moderation is a rubbish word. Like no one understands what moderation is. Your moderation is different from my moderation. Yeah. Shelly down the road, her moderation is different to mine. Yeah. Moderation is a rubbish word. Number two, um, and now I've just forgotten what I was going to say because I started to rant. Balance. Yeah, balance. That was it. So balance. No one is truly balanced. Mm. We have this thing about a balanced life. No, 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 no. Like, I'll take it back to martial arts. If you're a, a samurai, so Japanese martial arts, they will practice the same cut every day. Oh, he hasn't got a balanced lifestyle. Well, that's his balance. He mm. wants to learn how to be a master swordsman. Yeah. So you just have to find out what you're... And, and it will change as your values change in life. Mm. Like exercise I do with clients is what are your values? Yeah. What do you really value? So you have the dream setting, then we do values alongside, you know, getting to train, walk, sleep, all that good stuff. But what are your values? What do you really value? I guarantee 99% of your listeners here will say, they'll do their values. I'll say, look, write down 
maybe 20 to 30 things you value in the world. Yeah. And whittle it down to eight. And then what will happen? I look and I go, where are you in there? Mm. Oh, it's vain to be. So then, so you'll see then that what you have as values is how you live your life. It's very simple. So would you say, I'm super curious, that your values in a relationship are the same as your values in all aspects of your life? Or do they are they different in a relationship? What are your values in a relationship? Yeah, I think just the things you said, like I've said before, like, like trust. Yeah, like for me, I want ease. I want I want a path of yeah. resistance, right? I want to just make it. I I don't want bumps. Like I know bumps will come. Yeah, and I I know I don't want the bumps to be like a road in Jamaica with the potholes. <laughs> it's more damage to the car than anything. Exactly. But I want to, you know, and there are going to be bumps. <laughs> I want. I don't want them to be there in the first place. Yeah. So let's deal with them when they're little bumps rather than make them a speed bump that's going to mash up your suspension. Mm. Oh, gosh. I like that. I like that metaphor that you've done there. I think that reads really in because you've been very real about love because no matter how you describe it, it's what it means to you. And there's the realness that, okay, there may be bumps, but let's try and mitigate that as early on to kind of see what those bumps might be and how we're going to handle that as a couple. And is it really a bump? Is it? have we asked that question is it what you felt was going to be a big thing it might just be like yeah cool go do it Mm, yeah oh that that requires some depth in conversation with your partner to really see what is a bump to you well here's a question if you know what the dream is and you both have the dream written down and your dreams are fairly aligned the bumps generally become a lot easier to navigate because you know that whatever you're doing is going towards that dream that's so good so that is so good. like if you most people <laughs> this is gonna people are gonna get upset by this most of us are living the prostitute archetype explain more <laughs> well we're doing things that we have to do that we don't really want to do because it gives us an outcome mm. so that's the opposite of the of the of the dream archetype right mm. so we're doing things we go to work nine till five actually probably 8.30 till 7 because, you know, I've got to do that extra project. Yeah, exactly. You're bearing your soul, your energy, your health for this paycheck at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Is it giving you the life you really want? Is it, is it the life that when you were four, your teacher said, what do you want to be? Is it that, is it that life? Mm. I guarantee it's not. So that's what we call a prostitute architect, archetype. You're literally just giving yourself, you're giving everything for this outcome. So yeah. we- starts again it see it all goes back to this dream if it does go back. Up, you start doing everything towards it even when you don't feel like it mm. if you want your dream house and this is why things like vision boards and writing your vision down and affirmations that you do every day so i am this yeah right all of those go towards the dream mm-hmm. so if if let's people listen and if you want your dream house people you put offering right people say no God, it's like it's out of our price range right then you wake up in the middle of the night hey terry listen i've got a way that we can get that house if we do this and do this and do all of a sudden you start finding way to get around it because the dream's big enough for you to go and do it yeah that house is the dream the dream house that you're going to grow the kids up in and you're going to have all the dinner parties and stuff oh. yeah now you start finding ways to get around it well 
do you know what? Let's find the extra 10 grand. Let's just do it. Mm. Because yeah. the team is enough for you to want to do it. That's so, that's great. You know, what you've touched upon there is the beauty of having a joint love vision or just having that vision for your relationship and where the direction you're going through with that dream. So important to have that. And for my clients as well, I like for them to create a mission statement for them to actually you know what we stand for and it's sounds like to remind themselves of where their purpose is you know what's their mission in the relationship so key for that and to work towards it look we've manifested everything in our life right now so the manifestation process works whether you're happy with what you've got or whether you haven't but it is what it is so dream big greg this has been such an amazing conversation with you it really is. And I want to thank you so much for everything that you have shared as well. I'm so honoured to have you on. I would absolutely appreciate if you would leave our listeners with one key message to help them along their journey of love, life and relationships. Be very clear about what you want. Like I will, and I'll use my industry. Every woman comes to me and says, Greg, I want to lose weight. Yeah. Everyone talks about it. You hear it in the queue, the, the parent line. Oh, I need to lose some weight. Hold your belly. What do you really want? Do you want to be strong, agile, healthy, like a leopard? Now, that sounds a very different thing to I want to lose weight. But which one are you more likely to do? Wow. What will, what will that body give you? How will it improve your business that you've decided that you want to invest in? How will it improve your relationship with your children? How will it improve your relationship with your partner how to improve relationship with yourself how would you improve relationship with your parents that's what that body will give you it won't just be a weight on the scale so for me yeah there's one thing you have to be a 10 out of 10 of what you want to be able to get what you want and if you haven't got a dream you're not going to be a 10 because you don't want it enough and that's okay that's cool you can sit with it rest of it come to me whenever you're ready so I, I say to my clients, I only work with people that are 10 out of 10 ready to do this. I don't care if you haven't exercised for 20 years. That don't bother me. Those are my favorite clients because yeah. they really want it. When you, when they talk, they get passionate. The tears come out. Mm. We get deep. We get emotional about this stuff. Yeah. Those are my best clients because they say, Greg, I'm, I'm a 10. I've committed to this thing that I want. Yeah. I've got, I've, in fact, I did it to a client every day um, last year. So I say, her name was Teresa. She lost 27 pounds. And on our call to, to decide whether she was, we were going to work together, she started talking about this dress. Mm. And it was a blue dress. And I can remember it so well because I got her to describe it. Yeah. Right? Lace around here and it dipped a bit here. Um, short sleeved, fitted at the waist. So I know this dress myself. Yeah. So I said to her, it was right, before we work together, I need you to go and do something. She was like, what? I went, go and get it. Okay, cool. Now go and hang it somewhere where you can see that dress mm. every day. Now look at it. And she was like, oh, I'm, bit, I'm like an eight out of 10. I said, okay. Are you a 10 now? You've seen the dress that you really want to get back into that you haven't worn for 20 years that you want to wow your husband with and show your friends, actually, you can do it. Let's go. 27 pounds lighter. Wow. Wow. It's that whole connection piece, isn't it? It's the bridge. It's really bridging where you are to where you want to go. That's what you know, we do generally as a, as a coach and getting people connected with that. 
I think that is such a beautiful takeaway for all of the listeners to mull over. You just dropped so much gems and so much fire in this conversation as it <laughs> as it was anyway. And if anybody wants to reach out to you, Greg, how can I contact you? Have you got any future events coming up as well that they might be interested in knowing about? Um, so currently I have two programs. One is a one-to-one program. Um, I am revisiting it and it's going to be called Unstoppable. Um, there is also a group program where you can work with me and a few other crazy ladies I work with <laughs> to get still very bespoke coaching. Um, but that's called Revolution. So just drop me a message about that. You generally find me on Facebook, Greg Fearon. You'll see my face and picture. I'll give links to Teresha yeah. um, and on LinkedIn. And I'm on TikTok, Greg Fearon and Instagram, Greg underscore Fearon. There we go. And I will drop the links as well to that in the show notes so that you can reach out to Greg. And once again, thank you so much. It's been absolutely amazing having you impart your wisdom, your knowledge, your humour. I absolutely love our conversations, I do. And for everybody else who has listened to this, I want to thank you for your time, for your attention and your energy. And until the next episode, do take great care of yourself and others too. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, make sure to check out the show notes in the description with all the important links and how to connect with and follow Teresha directly. If you are motivated and encouraged after listening to this, please follow and subscribe to this podcast. Hey, and whilst you're there, go ahead and leave a five-star rating and add a review. We would love to hear what aha moments there were for you. And you know that saying, sharing is caring. So tell your family and friends about this podcast too. So until next time, take great care of yourself and others too.